Hi, it's Anne-Marie and welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Now, today's show is a live stream that I did with Derek Mildred and we talked about some of the strategies that he's been implementing on LinkedIn, what he's been doing and just his overall expertise on that platform. I really have fallen in love or back in love with LinkedIn and that's really where I'm hanging out now and when I connected with Derek and we'd been a, we'd been connected for a number of years but when I reconnected with him he shared with me um, a strategy that he's done and it's been so successful he's done it another time and he will be doing it again I wanted to share it with you so without any further ado let's get on with today's show you're listening to the award-winning podcast the ambitious entrepreneur show featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another live stream brought to you by the Ambitious Entrepreneur Podcast Network. And this is where I scour the internet for incredible people and I have found such a person. So grab a pen and paper while I introduce him because you're going to want to take notes and you're going to want to follow him on LinkedIn. So joining me on today's live stream is Derek Milford, Mildred, beg your pardon, and he shares tips and insights all around building your business, building your profile, your reputation over on LinkedIn. In fact, his course is linked into more business, online LinkedIn course to grow your business. He has 43,000 connections and followers on LinkedIn. He has over 250 recommendations in writing. And here are some things that he's going to share today. What are the first three things that most people react to when they open your LinkedIn profile? He's going to talk about what the best content is to post on LinkedIn. And when it comes to generating more business, what's the worst thing people can do on LinkedIn? And I'm also, hopefully we've got some time to talk to him about a challenge that he ran on LinkedIn and uh, it was really successful, which was, Derek, by the way, what attracted me to your content because as you shared that, we, we messaged one another. I kind of had a look at it and went, Wow, this this guy is doing some incredible things. So welcome to the live stream. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Anne-Marie. And another pleasure and honour is that you are a fellow Melbourneian, I believe. You're an Aussie, yes. but you're also in Melbourne. So yes. props yep. to Melbournians who've been up and down over the last, you know, goodness, what, seven months in lockdown over the last year or something? something quite we had um, two four-month-long lockdowns last year and then uh, early this year we just had a, a three-week lockdown, I think it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so resilience is certainly something that uh, us Melbournians know all too well, even though at the time we may not really have, uh, have appreciated it. But, you know, thankfully with a lot of what you're teaching us and what you're going to be sharing today, uh, many of us can implement and it doesn't necessarily require us at all actually to be face to face what attracted you to linkedin um well my officially my linkedin account i first opened up way back in 2004 but admittedly 
I did very little with it until 2014. And to answer your question, a friend of mine, she walked into the office one day and said she had just heard LinkedIn described as the professional or the business version of Facebook. I thought, that sounds interesting. Maybe I should have another look at that. <laughs> and so I found my old login details, managed to log in to discover back then that I had a, a lowly 207 connections. And that's when my real journey started in 2014. And um, back then I was doing websites and SEO and guaranteeing to get people on the page one on Google. And basically about 99% of my business came from LinkedIn. And all I did was write articles. I wrote articles, posted them on LinkedIn, articles about what um, people should include in a website, um, the different positioning of different features within a website, things like that. And people would uh, reach out to me. And what I discovered was those articles were basically building the credibility, but building the relationship with my audience. And when people reached out to me, provided my pricing was within their expectations, their mind was already made up that they would go ahead with me. Yeah, fantastic. So, so it was a really interesting journey. Yeah. Would you say, fast forwarding to now, because, you know, when you first started and really started to intentionally build your online profile, there's a lot mm. more people that have been added and are now on that platform. So a lot more content being shared, admittingly, and this is something that you might also share with a lot of your community and clients, is that even though there are a lot of people on LinkedIn, the amount of content that you would see as thought leadership is really leading their area is quite minimal, isn't it? Is I think about one yes. percent of yep. people are actively, proactively, and intentionally creating high quality top content. And high quality top content is probably in the eye of the beholder, you know, your ideal client. So you need to know them. But would you say that that strategy is still similar today? And what other things do we need to do to ensure that the content we're sharing does stand out from that 1% of content still being shared on LinkedIn? What would you say? Okay. Um, let me put it to you this way. Everybody or most people on LinkedIn knows what it feels like when you get that sales pitch arrive inside your messaging inbox, okay? And most people can't run away from it fast enough. And the reason for that is because it's a sales pitch. It doesn't matter what the product or the service being pitched actually is. People can see that it's a sales pitch. And the reason people reel away from it is because it's too early in the conversation, okay? And so with regards to content, if you post any content that comes across as salesy in any way, it's exactly the same reaction that people have. It's too early in the conversation and people reel away from that. So therefore, the, the most effective content that you can post is content that literally adds value to your audience without selling. Okay, and what you do when you post that type of content by adding value without selling, you literally position yourself as an authority within your industry and you start to establish, build and nurture the relationship with your audience. Yes, yes. Makes so much sense. And so when you look at the time that you spent putting this high quality articles about websites, SEO at that stage, at what time frame, and I know this is how long's a piece of string, there's a lot of different factors, but if you were to say, look, when I did that intentionally and then I did that religiously, you know, every day or every week, I mean, share a little bit more about, you know, timing and how frequently, but did you start to see people inquiring, people starting to like, comment on? And sometimes you've got, I'm sure, ideal clients who haven't even engaged with your content yet immediately find 
themselves speaking with you in, in your chat and so forth. So what period of time did you notice some of the, the feedback and interest being developed it's, after you posted content? It's really interesting. And in my experience, I found it, it varied. Um, I would get people who would like and comment on my articles. And then sometimes those people would reach out to me, send me a message and say, can we talk further? Because I'd like to discuss with you about a website or talk to you about a website. Um, then I would get other people who would reach out to me and I would naturally ask them, do you mind if I ask where you heard about me from? And they said, oh, we've been following your articles on LinkedIn. And I'd look at their name, I'd look at their business and I'd never heard of them or seen them before. So they hadn't liked, they hadn't commented, they just watched in the background. And so it's different people have sort of different reactions or, or lack of reactions sometimes as the case may be. And you've literally just got to put it out there and just have faith, just have confidence in it. And you slowly build up on that momentum with your audience. The other thing, of course, is um, having your profile positioned that entices the viewer or reader of your profile to want to read further, to want to know more about you and ultimately want to reach out and get in touch. Because when they see your article or your post or they see something that raises their interest in you, where are they going to look? Your profile. So therefore, what are they going to see? Yes. So you're actually going to share what are the first three things that most people react to when they do open your LinkedIn profile? What are those three things? Okay. When people first open up your LinkedIn profile, the first three things that, are, that have an immediate impact upon them are your banner image, your face pic, and your headline. Yeah. Okay. And so it's, it's always a good idea to have a, a banner image that ultimately includes a key benefit statement aimed towards your target audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. In other words, what's in it for them? Okay, because that's one of the very first things they see. It's a little bit like the cover of a book. If you imagine you walk into a bookstore, it's the cover of that book, the title of that book that grabs your attention. You'll grab that book from the shelf, you'll flick through it, and then you'll make your decision if you're going to go a step further and purchase that book. Well, your banner image is one of the first things that people notice when they open up your LinkedIn profile and entices them to read further. And then, of course, is your face pic, and then your headline that highlights again what's in it for them, what you do how you can help them, et cetera. Yeah, terrific. And of course, you know, it really needs to be from the value add, as you said, because if you start to go straight into the pitch, people are going to be turned off uh, by you. So well, let's talk about the best content to post. And what I will do uh, in a moment, actually, as you're speaking, I might bring up your profile. Uh, sure. And then we can maybe have a look at uh, some of the things that you are creating. But firstly, we've talked already about content that really is pitchy and that is salesy is not the type of content that we want to see or to be sharing on LinkedIn. So what are some of the content we do want to see and we do want to post? Basically, if you consider your own industry and then reverse it, so consider who your target audience, your target market is and the services or products that they are looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's an old saying in marketing and in business, find out what your customers want and give it to them. Okay, so when you want, when it comes to posting content, it's exactly the same principle. Find out what your audience in your target market actually wants and then provide it to them. Okay, and so for example, um, if you're building websites, then obviously people are going to have questions about websites. You might cover the differences between websites versus social media. Okay, um, does your website need to be on page one on Google, for example? 
um, the, the different areas or aspects or questions that people are going to ask you about your services that posting that content that answers those questions that adds value to them without selling is what helps you to build that relationship with them. Now, you can run into the scenario where people wonder, well, if I give all of my secrets away, um, they won't come to me for building the website, for example, okay? And the thing is, they don't actually know if you're giving everything away or not, but you can still give them a lot that's going to build that relationship with them to position yourself as an authority within your industry that's going to make them want to, or more inclined to reach out and get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to agree with that. I mean, if you think about all of the years of experience that we individually have in our specific areas of expertise, there is just no way we could wrap all of that and give that away. Because there's no. certain things, there's certain strategies, there's certain insight and knowledge that we use to inform a decision. So anybody can go online and find something, but whether they're going to take the right action and the right sequence and the right yes. steps is, you know, to, to success is going to be very dependent on you. So you're not going to do yourself out of a, a, a job, that's for sure. So I have your profile up here, Derek, sure. and all of the things that you have said, you certainly have in place, you know, a, a banner that really pops. Uh, it certainly, you know, can see what, what you're delivering and, and your promise, what I call your promise of value and promise of expectation, a powerful headline. When you look at this, I'd imagine that over the years you've trialed and errored. You've trialed and errored. You've tried to different things. And there's a saying that I have that, you know, individually, all of these things are important, but collectively, they are crucial. So mm -hmm. I wonder, considering all of the things that you mentioned and they're, they're collectively crucial, would you say that there's one of those things that you find many people who are on LinkedIn, they assume they've got in place and correctly, but actual fact, you haven't. Would there be one or more of the elements of those things you shared? Um, okay, so we, we covered your banner image, your face pic and your headline. The other point that I would make is try to um, have as complete as possible profile, e.g. your about section, your experience section. Try to add a little bit of media to the base of your experience section. Uh, it just makes it a lot more interesting to the viewer, to the reader of your profile. Um, and you can see it's just coming up there. And then really importantly, social proof. Mm. Okay, because in, in many cases, when people open up a profile, They'll see your banner image, they'll see your face pic, they'll see your headline. And then I've seen it done many times before where they scroll straight to the bottom. They skip everything else and they want to see how much social proof you've got. They want to see how many recommendations you've got. And if you've got a good number, then they'll take you very seriously and they'll talk to you further or they'll read further. Okay. But if you haven't got a good amount of social proof in there, then in many cases, they will just click on go to the next. So building up your recommendations is very important uh, and the only way to do that is one needs to get comfortable with asking for them okay i happen to know um a friend of mine based in singapore who describes himself as the world's most recommended linkedin coach yes. now if you, if, if you look at this particular gentleman he's got a mohawk he's covered in tattoos he wears these insane t-shirts and you bring up his profile and he doesn't look like a LinkedIn coach at all, let alone one that goes into corporations and does workshops for executives. Okay. 
But he's got over a thousand recommendations. And so a corporation opens up his profile, take one look at him and goes, we should take this guy seriously. Yeah. Okay. And so it's a great example of having an incredible amount of social proof, what that does to your standing, your brand, your positioning online and on LinkedIn. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the challenge that you have had and, and oh, that you've run before and kind of break that apart and, and see if we can uh, learn. I'm sure we can learn many new initiatives from that. But firstly, before we do move on to that, when it comes to generating more business on LinkedIn, the worst thing people can do on LinkedIn is that uh, the selling going to the selling too quickly or are there some other things that we may be doing that we're not realizing that hang on this is actually turning potential clients off okay um there's a couple of things that turn people off and that's starting too many sentences with the word i <laughs> okay. all right you, if you can imagine um linkedin is i describe linkedin as being the world's largest database of businesses their owners and their employees. And when you think about it, that's exactly what it is. It has its social media side, it has your profile side, and your profile, you can customize that to pretty much any extent that you like. You can do a lot more with your LinkedIn profile than you can with your Facebook profile, for example. Um, and your it's also a tool that you use to start a conversation, to establish, build, and nurture relationships so that you can take that conversation to the next level, which is actually away from LinkedIn. Okay, so one of the worst things that you can do is pitch on LinkedIn because it's too early in the conversation. Instead, what you literally do is you add value, you build on that relationship. Then when the time is right, then you suggest to people, well, why don't we get on a phone call? Why don't we get on a Zoom call or a Skype? Or why don't we set up a meeting? Or shall I invite you to an event, a seminar, a webinar, that kind of thing. So you take the conversation away from LinkedIn and that is where you go into more in-depth the services that you provide, the fees that you charge, etc. Yeah, I love that. And so I would imagine over the years, you've developed quite a strategy where you do that. You've got great quality, high quality information that you're sharing to build your thought leadership. People are commenting, so forth. And then what you do is you may take that conversation to the messenger, maybe develop more of a relationship and there, from there, take that into a Zoom call or something like that. Would you say that you really can liken that to some of the things that we do at an in-person networking event we get to know someone we don't pitch to them straight away do we we know that we take you know we, we separate we then might phone each other we might email we might follow up that way we can do exactly the same principles but with LinkedIn in this instance and exactly exactly yeah. imagine this if you go to a networking event you're talking to somebody and every sentence that comes out of their mouth starts with the word I Okay, you're going to politely excuse yourself and go off and get your drink and get out of there. <laughs> First chance that you get. Exit. <laughs> okay. Whereas, or versus, if you talk to somebody and it's a two-way conversation, they're asking you questions about yourself, your life, your business. You're asking them questions about themselves, their life, and their business, and you're getting to know each other. That way, you're going to build establish build and nurture a relationship with them a professional relationship with them whereas the other way you you can't get away fast enough okay and it's literally just about showing a genuine interest yeah 
It really does make sense, doesn't it? It's be polite, be helpful, be valuable. And when you do that consistently day in and day out, um, then your ideal client will, will often step forward and, you know, ask to, to speak with you. Now, one of the things that I did uh, and I've been raving on about because I was really impressed, share a little bit more and I'm going to see if I can find the, the link. Um, I don't know how... Um, Are you referring to the Influencer Summit? And, and, and Yes, but also the um, the 30 days or 35 days. 30 how did you come up with that concept and, and what is it and what was the results that you saw from it? Okay. Um, first of all, I, I did 30 tips in 30 days. I've done it twice now. Uh, and it was 30 LinkedIn tips in 30 days. And I, I discovered that people were, um, or hashtags were, were being used a lot more prominently by people on the platform. Yeah. Um and how people were using these hashtags. So one of the first questions I asked is, okay, number one, who owns these hashtags? Um, and then I found a place where you could actually register your own hashtag for as little as about $20 or something like that. Um, and so then I, I, I knew about adding value without selling. So I thought to myself, okay, how many LinkedIn tips could I come up with? And I wrote down a list. And as I was compiling that list, more ideas came to mind. So it added to the list. And I came up with about 30 of them. And I did, um, this was when my video journey on LinkedIn started. And uh, videos, I completely understand and agree are not for everybody. Not everybody wants to put their face in front of their camera and post it. Um, and I, I felt like that. Um, and it's funny, my some of my first LinkedIn videos, I mean, they were terrible. I had a whiteboard in the background. I had writing on the right whiteboard that only I could understand. And I didn't realize this until months after I'd posted the thing. But I did 30 LinkedIn tips in 30 days. I registered the hashtag and the response that I got was absolutely amazing. People were, were so grateful with the information that I was sharing and the tips that I was providing. And occasionally some of the tools that I was sharing that were a great help to people. And this was my first series of videos. So then my, my next series of 30 tips in 30 days, about six months or so later, um, I refined it a little bit. I polished it a little bit. I, I was already a lot more comfortable with doing videos. So I, I polished all the videos. I reshot them all and, and I used different platforms for basically adding the subtitles and, and things like that. And um, so it had a much more uh, presentable look about it, which I was happy with. The irony was when I did it for the second time and I wrote out a list um, of all the content that I wanted to include in, in 30 tips in 30 days, I had more than 30 of them. I wound up with 40. And I thought this could be interesting. I'll post, I'll do 30 tips in 30 days, but I'll go on to 40. Yes. I thought I'd be interested to see what kind of reaction I get. And so I actually got some messages in my inbox from people who literally said to me, you promised us 30 tips in 30 days and right now you're up to 35. <laughs> well, excuse me. I thought, okay, yeah. Um, adding extra value, um, going above and beyond. <laughs> so I thought it was quite interesting, but yeah, I got, about, I got about three or four messages like that. And I was, each time you get one, you, you read the message two or three times thinking, yeah, that's exactly what they're saying because you, you're still getting over the shock that you've got this actual message. But, I mean, the, 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 they're very well received, as you can see there. They got a, a pretty good reaction. Um, 
I'm in the process right now of drafting up the third series. Um, and yeah, I'll wait and, wait and see what I can do with that. I cannot, cannot promise 40, but at the very least, there'll be 30 there. And um, they're just there to, to help people get a better understanding of LinkedIn, how to use it, how to manage their profile, make updates to their profile, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, what I love about what you've done is you're also repurposing it because as before we went live, you um, shared with me that we've been connected for four years and, you know, we, you've got 43 plus thousand people who are following you and, and that you're connected with. And I know that, you know, it's very difficult to know every single one of those people. But what was interesting is we started messaging for one, uh, for, for a specific reason. I think I might've reached out for a birthday celebration or something something like that. It was a milestone anyway. And then what you did is that you shared a link back to this particular post, I believe, because when I went and saw it, I actually loved, you know, put a love because I think, wow. And I think I made a comment and that was really what prompted our converse, further conversation and ultimately you being here on this live stream. So a lesson for me and for everyone listening today is that you might do something, but continue to repurpose it, which I'm sure you do. It's a resource that you continue to, to share with people because ultimately people on LinkedIn are interested and many of you who are on LinkedIn, your ideal client is interested in what you share too. So that you didn't just do it over the 30 days or the 35 days, you're actually repurposing it now. So are you finding, and I think they call it the long tail, don't they? That the yeah. results and benefits and, and publicity, if you will, the exposure that you're getting, not just at the time that you did it, but continues to work for you because you're still intentionally repurposing it and people are finding it. Absolutely. I mean, in most of the messages that I send out on LinkedIn, I include a PS, which yeah. includes 30 tips in 30 days and got a love LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So when you look at your videos, and I do highly recommend, and I'm sure people will, go and uh, follow Derek if you haven't already, and then do what I did, because I started scrolling. I thought, hang on a minute. He mentioned the hashtag. Search for the hashtag 30 tips in 30 days, which is your hashtag, yep. but then you will be able to follow along. And how can you model success? You follow success. So if someone's done something successful, don't copy them. Don't copy them, but follow, uh, um, hire him if you need that, that support to help you do that, of course, or, um, you know, come up with 30 tips. Did you find that videos that you were doing, there was a certain time frame of videos that tend to work really well on LinkedIn, Derek, or? Less than three minutes. minutes. Yeah, less, less than three minutes. Um, the, the thing with, with uh, videos is if you make them too long, um, you lose people's attention span. And you've got to think to yourself, okay, what does pretty much everybody do when they're going through the newsfeed? They scroll, okay? So first thing is you've got to grab their attention. And so you can use your headline to grab their attention. Um, or it can be a thumbnail image for your video or, or the very first image for your video. Um, but try to keep the video concise, on point. Um, don't drag it out for too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you do, people will switch off it. So just make it concise, get to the point, the point across about what you want to say, um, how you want to help people, et cetera, and then just post it, just get it up there. 
And did you find comparing, because I think you said when you did it initially, you didn't do any of the captions, but the second time round you did include captions. Did you find that there was uh, a higher uptake or listen? Obviously, people don't listen, but rather read. The captions made a difference. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that. I'm, I'm actually connected to a, a, a fair few influencers um, and some of them add captions, others don't. And I, I, I know one actually, she shoots her videos on a daily basis and she consistently posts one video a day and has done now for a good couple of years um, and has never used captions. Um, I know several other people who do use captions and the reasoning behind captions initially pre-COVID was um, people watching the video on to and from work on public transport, uh, in the office, etc. They're watching the video for whatever reason in silent mode. And so the captions help you get your point across whilst they're watching it in silent mode. Whereas with COVID, if we're all in lockdown, we don't necessarily have to watch them in silent mode, but the captions also help to emphasize the point that you're getting your, across. Yes. Okay, so they do help with that. Um, so now I would highly recommend that people add captions to their videos. And one of the things that um, I think you probably would have done, I mean, obviously, you're sharing them on the LinkedIn platform, because that's a platform that people are engaging on and so forth. But I'm sure you use those videos across other platforms too, because there are people that are following you probably on YouTube or Instagram or any other platform that may also want to increase their, their profile on LinkedIn. So did you find or did you share them across different platforms as well? Um, yes, I did. I added them. I basically built a LinkedIn channel based on the videos in 30 Tips in 30 Days. Um, I added them to Facebook. I also added them to the LinkedIn company pages. Uh, I added them into a LinkedIn group, uh, some Facebook groups. So yeah, you can repurpose them and you can, and you can even take that a step further. You can send a link to them with a, an email broadcast or mail out, etc. So there's, there's many different ways that you can repurpose. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jacqueline asked a question, what is the normal length of a video? What does he recommend? I think you mentioned no longer than three minutes. Try to keep it under three minutes. Um, look, I have posted videos that are longer than three minutes that have done very well. But um, most of the people that I talk to all recommend try to keeping it, try keeping it under three, three and a half minutes. Yeah, and I'd imagine too that if you're doing a challenge such as what you're, you know, 30 days that you did there, Derek, uh, the first episodes you might have kept short and concise provided such great value that people couldn't wait for the yep. next video to come out. When you initially posted them, did you tend to post them on the, at the same time every day to kind of have that consistency yep. of timing as well? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Now you mentioned um, there was a number of different ways that you repurposed them. Were there any repurposing that you did do um, that was surprisingly successful? In other words, you thought, oh, I'm just going to do that with it. But because it had so much success, you've you've now going to do that continuously. Anything surprising come up with you for you? I, I knew at the time that I would get some good interaction via LinkedIn um, because LinkedIn is, is my main uh, passion and focus. So I knew that, and, and also it's where I have my largest audience. Okay, so my, my audience on YouTube is nowhere near as, as big as what I have on LinkedIn and the same with Facebook. Um, however, what I also realized based on the 
interaction that I did receive, especially the comments, was okay, I had to use these videos further. And so I actually put them on my website so people can access those any day they like. Um, and so that was one of the uh, instigators in me doing that was the comments that I actually got on LinkedIn on the, on the posts, 30 tips in 30 days. Amazing, amazing. And uh, Anna Maria is here and she's saying, I'm trying to stay at around the two minutes. Yeah, I, I love yeah. that. It's like, um, and I'm sure you say this, Derek, if you say something and it takes you 45 seconds, say it in 45 seconds. Even yeah. a minute and a half, people will just um, click off, won't they? Because often we start to ramble and we start yeah. to fill in time and keep it short and concise and so punchy that it leaves someone thinking, boy, you know, I did not know that. Did you have a strong, and of course, I'm going to encourage everyone to go and watch them, but at the end of those videos, did you keep a similar strategy? You didn't want to sell, didn't want to put any, obviously, didn't want to put any calls to action, or did you say, uh, this is part of a 30 days, you know, 30 tips in 30 days, so make sure I'll see you in the next day so did you kind of seed and lead forward to um what i would say at, at the end of most of the videos I, I actually said the next tip will be up within a day wow. so stay tuned that's it for today um bye for now kind of thing um but what also happened is when i started getting towards 28 29 30 and then i went beyond 30 um then i had to sort of qualify that or, or give people a little little bit of reasoning why i was doing that and it's basically just because i had more tips to share which is what i did um what i did after the 30 tips in 30 days i realized with the response that i got um, and also the people that I was getting to know on LinkedIn as a result of that. And I was getting to know some, some very successful people with LinkedIn all around the world. Um, I, I came up with the idea of the Influencer Summit. And I thought to myself, I know, I'll interview as many influencers as I can. And I'll put that up for a summit. And so what I did is I interviewed, I think it was 24 influencers. Um, and some of the influencers have gone from zero to literally 850,000 followers in two years, which is just extraordinary. I mean, a, a lot of people are unaware of that. They, they see some of these people and they see they've got 850,000 followers and they think, well, that must have taken them years upon years to build. But when you hear they've done it in two years, you, it's just so impressive. So I managed to interview these people, um, put them all up on a website and used LinkedIn events to invite people to the actual summit. And what we literally did or what I did was um, I shared three videos a day for eight days. So that was what was publicly available was three videos a day for the next eight days. And so the three videos would be up for 24 hours and then they'd come down and then the next three would go up for the next day and then they'd come down and the next three would go up for the following day. And um, the other thing too is we raised a little bit of money for charity where people purchased access to all 24 videos and we were charging them i think it was 149 dollars us for access to all of them we raised about um i think it was 600 dollars for charities that were nominated by the influencers so that was always nice to do and um the feedback that i got from that was was also people were really impressed with it people really enjoyed it yeah. And so would you say that when you look at the success that you've generated, and obviously you've always been about showcasing value, 
and helpful uh, content that it was those kind of what I call special events such as the 30 tips and 30 days such as the the um, the summit if you will or you know the three videos and so forth that those really helped amplify what you were doing getting you more followers and things like that would you say that they were quite um you know um let me put it to you this way. Everything that you do on LinkedIn um, or everything that you do online, you are effectively building your own personal brand. Okay. And I, I have a, a theory that I've been thinking about lately because um, one of my friends who's actually based in Queensland, um, she has amazing branding, uh, but she's not getting much interaction. And I was looking at this a while ago and I was, I was thinking, why, what's going on? Because the content's great, it's all there. And then I started to think about some of the things that I had heard from influencers, some of the lessons that I'd learned in life and in business. And there were a couple of points that really stood out to me. And one of them is that people do business with people, okay? And yes, they know there's going to be a, a business or a company or a corporate entity involved when a transaction takes place. But leading up to that, they do business with people. They want the relationship with a person, okay? And so everything that you do online, you are effectively building your own personal profile, your own personal brand, okay? And so when you add value without selling, you're building on your own personal brand. You're positioning yourself as an authority within your industry in the eyes of your target audience, okay? And so that becomes really important. And if you put too much branding all over it, then you run the risk of falling into or crossing over that sales line. Yeah. And this is just a theory right now, but I think I'm pretty close to being right with it, is that if you use too much branding or if your branding is too strong, it's too out there, then I think it starts to turn people off. Whereas if you just put up, um, for example, my influencer friend who has posted one video a day for the last two and a half years with no branding on it whatsoever, no captions, no nothing. It's just her. It's shot on her phone. She uploads it. And um, I mean, I've, I've seen her talk about coffees at Starbucks, right? But she, she, she generates an incredible amount of business out of it. She's got over 200,000 followers as a direct result. And um, so I, I think that, having too much branding can be disempowering and it's all about building your own personal brand. Yeah. And, and I love the, the balance aspect of it, isn't it? You might have some things that are specifically branded, but then include some of those more personal brand uh, videos that has a more of a, a, a relaxed, relaxed style, which I, I think is important. Something that may contribute to your thought process there, um, Derek, is some research that I did some time ago on an Edelman Trust Barometer. Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N, is a resource that you might know, a consulting agency who does the annual Trust Barometer and they interview people from around the world. And one of the things that they found was that the trust in media, <laughs> I wonder why, is quite low because yeah. of the portrayal and, you know, doom and gloom and so forth. So anything that looks too official, too media-like, 
can tend to put us off a little bit, you know, um, in that instance. So that might be something, you know, and that's why I say to people with podcasts, don't try and make it sound like a radio show because if you sound too media-oriented, um, you may lose that trustability. Keep yes, it, absolutely. Conversational, if you will. So that's really important. Derek, we have, uh, I have just loved today uh, and we've just scratched the surface, but certainly um, I'm hoping that people can, from what you shared, and I'm sure they will, really see what you've been doing very successfully, building your brand, obviously consistently building um, high and sharing high quality content, which is why you've got so many followers and people that are engaging with your content online. Share a little bit more about how you can support people and what's the best way for them to connect with you. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. It may seem like, well, I have 43,000 followers. Um, I'm just short of my 30,000 limit of connection. So reach out to me and we can take it from there. Happy to help. Yeah, and you really are in the DMs. You really are in the messages because, you know, you and I were messaging. One, one final question um, that I would love to, to ask you. I mean, when you think of how you're engaging, because obviously you're sharing content, but I've also heard and I love your um, thoughts on what you do. Do you also spend time engaging at a certain level of time, you know, through the day on other people's posts because commenting and commenting and maybe it's popping into the DMs, that's all very important too, part of the relationship. And so you've said yes. So how much time do you commit to a certain amount of time that you do that online? What does that look like for you? Let me put it to you this way. Um, if you want to post and you want your post to do well, it's highly advisable that you engage with other people's content for 20 to 30 minutes before you post. The algorithm loves that. And then if you think strategically about that or objectively, the best content that you can engage on is people within your target audience. Yeah. So you engage with that, then post, and then, of course, try to reply to the comments on your own post as quickly as possible. The algorithm will then look at that as being a more popular post. Now push it out to an even wider audience. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things we hear from people who really have gotten a huge following across different platforms as well. They have consistently and intentionally engaged on other people's posts, sometimes more so than even before they really started, you know, their, their content strategy. And it was building the relationships, showing exactly. interest in others. You model the behaviour that you would love to have responded, you know, reciprocated. And uh, I think that's important. Uh, again, Derek, thank you so very much for taking time uh, to do this. I know this has been a valuable resource for me and I'm sure others as well. I can't wait. I'll certainly be following your post. And if you do another 30 days or maybe 40 days, who knows? I know. That's <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Value to, uh, to us as well. So thanks once again. Thank you kindly, Anne-Marie. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, anytime, happy to help. Fantastic. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.